for us humans, sorry there, I accidentally started without, without introducing myself again. The Bolds by Julian Clarion. Up to chapter 11, if you're new, go back to chapter 1. Hope you're enjoying this. Chapter 11. For us as humans, it is difficult to understand how wonderful the feral activity of getting down and dirty was for the Bolds. I thought they were on a mission to save poor Tony. The nightly visit to the tunnel and the frantic digging, getting covered in muck and filth, was to them a form of liberation, like a caged bird suddenly being allowed to fly free in the endless sky. The birds were happier than they could have ever imagined. The only sad part was washing off all the mud when they got home each morning. Bobby and Betty had to be rem had to be reminded to walk primly on their hind legs again, and Fred had to stop himself rubbing his rump on the garden gate. The only worry was the troublesome Mr. McNumpty, who not only seemed to observe them leaving the house late each night, but also saw them returning caked in mud, in dry mud. But Mr. Bold knew there was nothing they could do about their nosy neighbour. What they did was their own business, and Mr. McNumpty could be as curious as he wanted. He would never know what they had been up to. The tunnel, meanwhile, was progressing according to Fred's plan. It was, roughly speaking, around to about a metre and a half in diameter. Some tree roots dangled down in the place. Water trickled in and formed puddles. Moles peeked in the walls through in for the walls occasionally, wondering what was going on. But it seemed sturdy enough. After all, it only had to last a couple more days, and then Tony could be transported out of the safari park to the safety of the Fairfield Road. On Monday afternoon, Mr. Bold visited the safari park again. Beyond Ina, whom he had to wake up by beeping his horn, because they are so tired from their nightly excursions, said things were going excellently from their end too. If everything went according to plan, the two tunnels were drawing up on Tuesday night. Tony came up to speak to Fred too. Thank you, he said, his eyes watering with emotion. From the bottom of my heart, I promise I will be no trouble to you and your family. What you're doing for me is so kind. I can't think I, how I could ever repay, repay you, but you don't think anything could go wrong, do you? He looked worried. Fred shook his head reassuring. Don't you worry about a thing, Tony. It's all under control. We are looking forward to having you. You will have a lovely life with us. We've got a spare bedroom all ready for you. Nice comfy bed, a litter tray, dog biscuits. You'll be very ha happy, I promise. It was Tuesday afternoon, and not long before the night of the final dig, when the two tunnels should meet and Tony would make his escape. By now, Mr. McNumpy was convinced there was something very sinister going on with his next-door neighbours. What possible explanation could there be for such noctavital activities? Grave robbers, he wondered darkly. He even went to the local cemetery to see if there was any evidence, but there was no sign of anything much. Mr. Bold was rightful. 
There was no law against going out at night, and there wasn't anything Mr. Monkey to do about it. That afternoon, Minnie came over dragging a large black bin liner. I've got as many points as I could, she said, a little breathlessly, back from the from the back of at my dad's shop where they cut all, all the meat. Fred peered inside and licked his lips. There were big, juicy bones and ribs, perfect for the fooling the safari park keepers. Well done, Minnie, he said, restraining himself from having a quick nibble. They'll think this is that's all left of poor Tony. He places a bin liner to carefully on the front door. I think it's cause for a few butcher jokes. Listen up, everyone. He cleared his throat and waited until everyone was listening eagerly. What happened when the butcher backed into the bacon slicer? He got a little behind with his work. Everyone laughed heartily and asked for another joke. Uh, let me see, said Fred. Ah, uh, yes. Two butchers in the kayak were a bit chilly, so they lit a fire and the kayak sank. Which just goes to show, doesn't it? You can't have your kayak and heat it. Before the bowls left for its final dig that night, Fred gathered them all around the kitchen table and checked the time. What does a clock do when it's hungry? Goes back four seconds. Betty and Bobby giggled. No, seriously, their father continued. We're nearly home and dry, folks. All being well in a few hours. Time our work will be done and we will be welcoming a new and to our family. Hooray, said Bobby. Yes, indeed, said Mr. Bob. I want to run a few things through a f- oh, to run through a few things first. Firstly, poor Tony is like a hyena like us, but he hasn't learned to disguise this fact. We need to be careful. We are being watched, and I think you know who I'm referring. Nosy McNumpty, said Betty, without hesitation. Yes, said Mr. Bold, his eyes beginning to twinkle, which usually means he's about to tell another joke. What do you call a man who lends his tools to the next-door neighbour? A sore loser. Oh, really, Fred? said Amelia, smiling. This is no joking matter. Sorry, couldn't resist, said Fred. Seriously, Paul. We should, we shall have to keep our curtains drawn, and Tony mustn't go for a run about in the garden unless we are sure the coast is clear. Understood? Yes, sir, said the twins. Mr. McNumpty knows we are up to something, so we have to be extra careful. And it's going to take poor Tony a while to adjust, added Mrs. Mrs. Bud. He is... Old and probably wise, but he has never lived in a house before. We must be patient and understanding with him. He'll need a toilet training, amongst other things. Mr. Bold nodded in agreement and said, Why did the toilet paper roll down the hill? To get to the bottom. Ha <laughs> said Bobby. Want another one? asked his father. Asked his father. Oh, go on then, said Mrs. Bold, but quickly, we really must be your off. Here goes, said Fred. Some thieves broke into a police station and stole the toilet. The police are investigating, but now they've got nothing to go on. Boom, boom.
A short while later, carrying the bin liner full of bones and of a torch, they set off. Mr. McNumpy glaring at them from his bedroom window. There was a thunderstorm going on that night, so the work was even muddier than usual. It was particularly tough going. All the boards were exhausted. After two hours of doing ten-minute digging each, all four boards were down in the tunnels together, streaking with glistening, glistening mud and sweat, their clothes soaked and clinging to them. Then they heard a noise. said Mr. Bold suddenly. What's that? He shone the torch around the walls of the tunnel. Then he, they heard again a faint scratching noise coming from right ahead of them. This is it. We're nearly through, he whispered. Look! The wall of the earth crumbled slightly and, and the scratching mm, sounded louder. Boo, Ina, Mr. Bold called. It's Fred. The scratching stopped and a faint hello could be heard. Stand back said Mr. Bolt, and began scraping frantically at the earth for a few minutes, till suddenly a hole appeared, and a big brown eye looked through at them. Who's there? asked Mr. Bold. Boo! Boo who? Boo! Mr. Bold couldn't help himself. Boo hoo hoo! Don't cry, I didn't mean to scare you, he joked. Bobby snorted with laughter. It's boo, silly, said Betty. Yes, of course it is. Who did you think it was? The Prime Minister, panted Boo. We've done it, cried Bobby. M Mrs. Bold was almost in tears with excitement. Within moments, the hole was wide enough for Boo, Ina, and then, with a few moans and groans, for Tony to climb through. I thought it was a tight squeeze. They all slipped about hugging each other and congratulating. Congratulating themselves. In the confusion, there was a bit of bottom-sniffing going on. But all the hyenas were so effeminate. Who could blame them? There is no time to lose, said Mr. Bold once the greetings were over. Tony had better say his goodbyes, and then we'll go get him on the car on the way to Fairworld. The Bolds grew respectfully while Boo and Ina kissed, kissed Tony goodbye. We will miss you more than you will ever know, said Ina tenderly licking his face. Me too, said Tony, holding back his teeth. Tell the pups I love them, and I will be along to see them soon. Boo was next. He, snuzz he snuzzled him in a manly way. Goodbye, old fellow, he said. We'll be, s we'll be seeing you. We'll look after him, don't you worry, Miss Bold said. Fred paused past. No, Fred passed Boo, the bin liner full of bones. Chew on these a bit, he instructed, then scatter them around the enclosure. With any luck, the keepers will think you've eaten poor Tony. Never mind about our reputation, sniffed Dina. I thought her mouth was watering at the thought of those tasty bones to gnaw on. It was the best idea I could come up with, said Fred. Now, quickly, Tony, come with us. And remember, you two. Block up the tunnel at the end as soon as you get back. His plan was to guide Tony along the tunnel to the entrance, then bundle him into an old sack into the car in case anyone was passing, and for a hyena walking out along the pavement was suspicious. Tony turned to take a last look at Boo and Ina, but just at the moment of torchlight flickered, then died, plunging everyone into darkness. Oh no, groaned Betty. We can... Barely see a thing. Don't panic, said Mr. Bold. There's only one direction we can go. 
we can hardly get lost. Come on, everyone. The Bolds and Tony went in one direction, while Boo and Ina returned to the hyena enclosure in the opposite direction, with the bin bag full of bones. Just as they neared the end, there was a sinister rumbling noise from above them, and the clawed damp earth began falling on everyone's head. They all stood still in the pitch pack and wondered what was happening. Who's throwing things? This is no time for them. Oh no, it's not that, said Mr. Bob. It's the tunnel. I think it's collapsing. The rain has soaked the earth and it's made it he much heavier. We must be quick. But at that moment, a huge lump the size of a football fell on the ceiling and landed on poor Tony's shoulder. Ouch, groaned Tony and he began to pant. The cascade of mud, earth and dirt, brown water continued to plop up all around him. I can reach the ceiling if I stand up on the tippy-toe, said Betty to her father. Bobby, you can do the same. We can hold the ceiling while you get Tony out. Be quick for Bobby reached Bobby reached up and it was true. With their paws spread out, they could both feel the wet, slimy roof on the tunnel. I can feel it moving, crackling, gasped Bobby. Hurry! What is that? Sorry, just looking at the pictures. Back to the story. I can feel it moving and crackling, gasped Bobby. Hurry! Hyenas can see more in the dark than humans. But muddy water was now stinging everyone's eyes, and the trickles through the twins' paws was becoming fast torrent. I'm frightened, whimpered. When Tony, who hadn't left the safety of the hyena enclosure for many years, and was now wishing he was back well. We'll help you, Tony, said Miss Bob. Fred, you can pull him back from the front, and I'll push him from the back. Please hurry, said Bobby. Dude, this tunnel is nearly busted, said Betty. Her voice weaked by the strain of holding up the heavy mud ceiling. The water was now up to everyone's waist, and there was a lot of sloshing, grunting, as Fred and Amelia Coaxed the frightening Tony along as quickly as an arthritic, wet, scared hyena can go. But after several tense minutes, stripping, sliding in the, the darkness, Moonlight appeared at the end of the tunnel. Mr. Bold ran ahead. We've made it, he called back. You can let go now, twins, but listen. Scramble out of the way the second you can. There's no time to lose. We don't want the tunnel to collapse on top of you. Whatever happens... I'll count to three, then we'll go together and run for it, instructed a bed rag on Betty. Okay, said Bobby, who could hardly speak. His limbs hurt so much. There came a deep groan from above. One, two, three, shouted Betty, and the twins dived towards the tunnel entrance, half running, half swimming through the ghastly thick sludge. Betty, Bobby called Mrs. Bold. My children! The ceiling collapsed behind them in an avalanche of splashing and crashing. They made it out in the nick of time, and as the twins fell exhausted against their parents, a final bletch of filthy grey mud spat over everyone. They were safe, and the tunnel was no more. The bell was quiet for a moment. Then Bobby and Betty began to giggle with relief. That was it. That was a narrow squeak, said Mrs. Bob. Look at you both. You're going to need a bath with bubbles. Who is, bu who is bubbles, said, asked Mr. Bold. And everyone had a good laugh, which was just what they needed after such drama. But when Mr. Bold announced that they ought to get themselves back to Fairfield Road before anyone saw them, it wouldn't be long before the sun came up. 
Mr. Bold got the old sack and called to wherever the wild Tony. Here, he said, jump in until we get you safely home. It was hard to tell in the gloom, but from poor Tony's groaning and muttering, he seemed to be safely in the sack. Mrs. Bold and the twins untied, tidied up the entrance to the collapsed tunnel so it looked as if it had never been there. And Mr. Bold hoisted the heavy sack onto his shoulders and the gubby convoy made their way cautiously back to the car and set off home. When Mr. Holt carried the sack containing Tony from the car into the house, wide-eyed Mr. McNobby looked at horror. What were these people? Burglars? Once safely inside, Tony clambered, clambered out and sat on the sofa, looking nervously around. Would you like a drink of milk, dear? asked Mrs. Bold. You've been through quite an ordeal. Uh, yes, I'll try once, said Tony, blinking and scratching the mud with his tiny legs. Shall I get you a bucket of water? Give you a bit of a wash down? Thank you, said Tony. Suddenly, Betty let out a high-pitched scream. The sack, it just moved, she said, running over to her father. Goodness, so it did. There's something in there. That will be Miranda, said Tony. There's... She's probably peckish. I don't suppose you have any grapes handy, do you? Miranda, said Mrs. Bold, astonished. Who is Miranda? Let me introduce you. Tony reached inside the sack, brought out a tiny baby grey monkey with white fluffy ears, big black, long striped tail. She immediately jumped on to Tony's shoulders and peered at the bolts nervously. This is Miranda, everyone, said Tony. She's a masset monkey, an orphan. But what the... said Mr. Bold. The other monkeys reject her, so when she attached herself to me for some reason, when I, when she heard I was leaving the safari park, all the animals knew about it, you see. She cried and cried until I said she'd come with me. I'm sorry I didn't tell you before. I was just worried in case you said no. Please let her stay. She'll be no bother. She's lovely, said Betty, stroking Miranda gently. Go on, Mum. Let her stay, please, Dad. From all the merry, I guess, said Mr. Bold. Mrs. Bold agreed. Thank you, thank you, surest Tony and Betty. The dear little girl, I'll cut up some grapes, said Mrs. Bold. Does she speak? Just baby talk at the moment, she explained, explained Tony. But she's learning fast. She'll soon get used to you all. What do you call a monkey with a banana in each ear? Something you like. She can't hear you. Anything you like. But she can't hear you. Oh! After enjoying a nibble on some grapes, Miranda made a few contented squeaks and settled down for a rest against Tony. It's been quite a night, said Mr. Bold. Shall I show you to your room, Tony and Miranda? I think it's time for some sleep. Tell us a joke first, Dad, asked Bobby. Mr. Bold laughed and then looked over on Miranda before saying, Where do babies monkeys sleep? Apricot. I hope you enjoyed chapter... I hope you enjoyed chapter 11. This has been the longest one I've seen yet. I hope you've enjoyed it, Paul. Please support this podcast. I really enjoy it. I hope you really enjoy it. And please leave a review.